Good morning, church. We have uh, spent a lot of time lately, uh, especially in light of the Beatitudes studies that uh, we had at Green Valley Bible Camp, talking about how to live happy lives. We, we've discussed that a lot. We know, of course, the word blessed in the scriptures can also be translated happy. And um, I want to sort of take that up a notch this morning, if, if that's possible. After all, who couldn't use a little bit more joy in their lives, right? A little more happiness, a little more of those sorts of things. So this morning, I, I want to talk about this, and again, if it's possible, take it up a notch with a sermon that is entitled, Delighted, I'm Sure. Delighted, I'm Sure. You see, God, our Heavenly Father, just like many of us as parents, want for our children, he wants for his children. God wants for his children to have and to be and to live and to truly enjoy lives of delight. Delight. And even though sin and Satan have come in and just totally corrupted and continually seek to cause us nothing but pain and sorrow and suffering in our lives, and it, and it does, and we all know that, but despite it doing all of that, God has still given us a fail-safe formula for living and leading the happy and delightful lives that God designed and desires us to. This morning, I'm going to give God's fail-safe formula for living a delightful life in hopes that each one listening might indeed be able to develop more happiness in their lives. I want to begin this morning with Merriam-Webster's definition of delight. Delight. That's our key word today. Delight. And it's not walking in delight, no. But the, the, the definition of delight. Merriam-Webster says, a high degree of gratification or pleasure, extreme satisfaction, something that gives great pleasure to very much enjoy, such as your favorite dessert. We'd all like that for our lives, wouldn't we? Daily. God shows us how to do it, and, and we're going to talk about that this morning. But, but as I looked at that definition and thought about the word delight, I like that last line, such as your favorite dessert. We all have a favorite dessert. We've probably heard of places called dairy delight. Ice cream places. To me, ice cream's a delight, okay? I'm just saying, right? Especially if you get some of those days where, you know, we were having a few weeks back where it's 104, 5, 6 degrees, heat index. Boy, I tell you what, some of those days, wouldn't it have been nice to have an ice cream about that tall? Just to cool off, especially if you're working out in the field or something. That's what I think of when I think of the word delight. I think of, of cold ice cream on a wicked hot day. That's, that's what I think of. And the thing is, is that God makes it clear and gives us the formula of how he wants us to, to enjoy that delightful 
favorite cold ice cream on a flaming hot day experience every day. You want your children to have a good life, to have a happy life? Well, God wants his children to, too. And like I said, despite the fact that, that sin has come in and corrupted this world and it's corrupted our lives and, and Satan seeks to cause us all the pain and suffering and misery that he possibly can, God still has a fail-safe formula for living a delightful life. If we'll only, like, that, like cold ice cream on a hot day, if we'll just truly take it in. And, and the introduction to that is in Psalm chapter 1. If you turn with me in your Bibles, we're going to spend a lot of time this morning in our Bibles, particularly in the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 1, or the very first psalm, starts right out with our word blessed, happy. And it says this. Blessed or happy is the man, Psalm 1 and verse 1, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. It says this man is the happy man who does not walk in the thinking and reasonings of the ungodly. He doesn't stand along the path of sinners, doesn't join them in their sins, and he doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. He doesn't sit down with them and just find fault with everything. It says, blessed is the man who does not do those things, but, verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord. There's the contrast. That's where he finds his delight. And in God's law, verse 2 of Psalms 1, he meditates day and night. Instead of doing all of those things with the ungodly and the sinful, and so many people are looking for the happiness out there today, and, and the book of Psalms says that's not where, where the blessed man or the happy man finds his happiness. His delight, his cold ice cream on a hot day, is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Well, well what's that going to do for him? Well, look at verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Back in the early part of July, we weren't getting a whole lot of rain. A lot of us probably had grass and lawns that dried up so that it crunched when you walked on it, at least in places. I, I know that we did. Okay? But then all of a sudden came, came the rain, and now we've got <laughs> green grass to start mowing a couple times a week again, at least in spots. But the point here is, is for this person, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who, who's in the scripture and who meditates on it day and night, who, who, who makes the word of God what infuses them with life. That is their delight. That is, that is what gives them a high degree of gratification or extreme satisfaction. It gives them pleasure to study. They're going to be like a tree that even when it's dry, still yields fruit. Even when the heat comes, even when the problems come, even when their world heats up, they're still going to be okay. Their leaf is not going to wither. This is the man who has the delight in the law of the Lord. And what a great way to introduce the book of Psalms. This is what the book of, of Psalms is all about. It is about the happy, delightful, and delight-filled, successful life. And the fact that it can only come from God's word. Only God's wisdom can provide it. And only those who delight in it will find more delight. Tonight, uh, to this morning, we're going to take a look at some people. Some people that are happy and what it took to make them happy. We're going to look at people who knew what that meant 
And who we're going to find it describes is people that didn't have to be dragged kicking and screaming to constantly get into the Word of God. People that didn't have to be constantly encouraged to get into the Word of God because the Word of God was their passion. The Word of God was their delight. We're going to talk about some people who, who had delight in their lives and, and told us how to find it this morning who you couldn't have kept from being in the Word of God if you tried. You couldn't have stopped them. And I want us to look at the delightful and, and successful lives that they enjoyed. Even, here's the key for us, even in the midst of their turmoil, even in the midst of calamity, and even in the midst of persecution. That's what we've got to get. Don't miss this as I read some of these texts and as we look at them. These were not people who were filled with happiness or delighted because life was wonderful and everything was perfect. These are people who were struggling greatly on the outside but could still find delight in the Word of God. And we're going to look at what God thought of them as well as we move on. First off, seeing how we're talking about the book of Psalms, probably the first person that comes to mind is David. Or should. Psalm 37, would you turn there with me? Now we know David had his struggles. But I want you to follow along here with me in Psalm 37. We read a lot of scripture this morning. Hope you're taking notes or we'll go back and listen to this and, and take a look at it. Because we need to know in, in our lives that sin has come in and, and corrupted and the world around us and some of the turmoil and the stresses and the things that, that are, are not good, we can still live a life of delight. We can still have that cold ice cream on a hot day delight. Verse 3, Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Make sure he's your delight and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will bring it to pass. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Listen, just because God doesn't answer your prayer today that you think he ought to does not mean that you cannot delight yourself in the Lord. You delight yourself in the Lord because you trust Him to know what's best anyway. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. God said, don't fret. Just, I got this. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Get on the internet and find out how many bad things stress can cause to happen in your life. This verse is talking about that. It goes on from there in verse 9 to say, evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they'll inherit the earth. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Yet a little while and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. The meek shall inherit the earth. Check this out. And shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. These people who make God their delight, these people who are following what God said, who are trusting God, shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Is that true or not? That's what the book says. It's got to be true. Verse 11. Do you want to feast upon and have great pleasure in an abundance of peace in your life? The Bible tells you how to do that. Delight yourself in him. It was David's delight and David's pleasure and David's all-consuming passion to continually seek to learn and to do the will of God. Look in Psalm 40. Delighted, I'm sure. 
Psalm 40. Look at the first eight verses. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord. In, in the last psalm we read, he said, wait. In verse 40, he said, I did this. He knew of whence he spoke. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit. Um, hello. David's life was not perfect. David's life was not free from trouble, from turmoil, from persecution, from problems. He brought me up out of a horrible pit. I was in a horrible, awful, terrible, dark place. But he brought me up. He set my feet on a rock. He established my steps. He's put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. Happy is that man who makes the Lord his trust, even when he's in a dark, horrible pit. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. In other words, David said, I finally got this. I, I finally understand it's not about sacrifice and offering. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. That's not what God's looking for. Then I said, behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. David said it's not about the sacrifices. It's not about the burnt offerings. It is about being delighted to do God's will. And, and David, even though he'd been in this dark place, this horrible pit, was still delight in his life. He said, I delight when I do your will to do your will. Of course, we know there's a messianic prophecy involved there as well. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard a, a news story or have you ever heard anything that the government is doing that caused you to have some anxiety? that caused you maybe a little bit of struggle with what the government was doing or, or some news story? Well, turn to me to Psalm 94. Nothing new under the sun, right? Psalm 94, begin with me, follow along, verse 16. Oh, there's so much, there's so much here for us this morning to take advantage of. Verse 16, Psalm 94. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would soon have settled in silence. Did you get that? Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would soon have settled in silence. David was in trouble. If I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, multitude, many, more than can be counted, of the anxieties, the worries, the pressures, in the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. In spite of all of them that I'm going through, God, the comfort that you give me is, is a cold ice cream on a hot day. It delights my soul. It doesn't just delight me. It delights me to my depths, to my soul. 
Then he goes on to say this. Shall the throne of iniquity, which devises evil by law, have fellowship with you? Let's face it. Some laws that are made are not in accordance with God's laws. Therefore, because God is good, those are evil. Simple as that. David addresses that here. Shall the throne of iniquity, which devises evil by law, have fellowship with you? They gather together against the life of the righteous and condemn innocent blood. You know, sometimes there have been laws that have allowed innocent blood to be shed. But the Lord has been, even when that troubles me, he says in verse 22, but the Lord has been my defense and my God, the rock of my refuge. He has brought on them their own iniquity and shall cut, off, cut them off in their own wickedness. The Lord shall cut them off. It goes back up to this multitude of anxieties. Even when that happens and, and laws are made that, that promote those things which are ungodly. He said, my comfort, my delight, I don't have to be so depressed and burdened and carried away with that. He says, my delight comes from God. What a beautiful passage. In Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the Bible, David often expressed his absolute delight in and dependence upon the word of God. In fact, he does it nine times. Talks about how God has saved him. Talks about how delightful it is. Let's just—I want you to look at all nine of them, and, and we'll read through them briefly. But I want you to really, 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 really grab a hold of this. Psalm 119. Look what it says. We'll begin in verse nine. Appropriate with our young people just headed back to school. We sing a song like this as well. How, how can the young secure their hearts? Verse 9, Psalm 119. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do you get the impression here that the focus is on the word of God? All of Psalm 119's focus is on the word of God and what a blessing and delight it is and how much delight it brings. Verse 12, blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimony. I have rejoiced. I have been so happy over your word as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your... I will delight myself in your statutes. I will, I will take great pleasure in the word of God. I will take this, this incredible pleasure, this high degree of, of gratification, this, this extreme satisfaction, this, this high level of, of, of joy I'm going to take in God's Word. Let me ask you a question. Is God's Word worth that? Absolutely. Man, he says, no matter what I'm going through, that's my delight. We move on. Psalm 119, beginning at verse 20. Look at this. My soul breaks with longing. I did not ask Kirk to lead the song, any of these songs this morning. And yet, first few fit so wonderfully because they were about the Word. And that one, as the deer... I'm telling you, boy, this, this is saying the same exact thing. Again, verse 20. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. Not just on Sunday, or in David's case, not just on Saturday. Not just on Wednesday night, not just when I got everything else done and I got five minutes to look at the scriptures. At all times. 
You rebuke the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. Remove from me my reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Princes sit and speak against me. Did you, did you catch that? He says, people in power in high places are talking against me. And that's not an easy thing when, when anybody speaks against you, when somebody persecutes you or lies about you or, or, or any of those sorts of things. Those aren't easy, but David said, there's people in high places doing it. Princes sit and speak against me. They're speaking against me. But your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my, here's our word, delight. He said, look, I don't care what they're saying. I don't care what they're saying. You know what? I'm still happy. Matter of fact, I'm more than happy. I am delighted. You know why I'm delighted? Because I'm still in your word and that's where my joy comes from. It doesn't matter what they're saying. They can say what they want. I'm going to just, I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to spend my time in your word because your word is, is delightful to me. Psalm 119, verses 33, 4, and 5. Look at those. He says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I'll keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I'll keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Now, some people in the world today think, Man, that's got to be such a burden. That's got to be so awful to spend time in the Bible and, and, and try to, to do what God says. What's the matter with these Christians? My, my question is, is, is right out of the book, What's the matter with them? Look at their lives. All of those vain pursuits that do not give that lasting joy and happiness and delight and fulfillment. But, but he says, I'm going to observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the paths of your commandment for I delight in it. He said, that's where the joy is. That's where the, happy, that's where the delight, I'm going to make that my delight because that's where my delight comes from is being in your word, O oh God. We look at verses 47 and 8 of this same psalm. Look what it says there. I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. Can you be said, or have you ever said to anybody, how much you love God's commandments? David has. David says, that's my delight. So he says, why do you go to church on Sunday? There's good water and water. No! I go there because I love what the Lord has to say and because it's a delight of my soul and because it helps me to live a delightful life, a life full of joy where I don't waste my life pursuing sin and letting sin corrupt everything about me. Let's see you keep me away from church on Sunday. That's what we need to tell people. That's what David's talking about. I love this. This is where my delight comes from. Verses 47 and 48. He says... I love God's commandments. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love. Well, <laughs> he's trying to make a point here. He's, oh, by the way, like I just said, I love these. And I will meditate on your statutes. As we look at verse 48 in the first line, what's David talking about? He said, I'm going to do what you said, too. I'm going to lift up my hands to do what you said. I'm not just going to read it. I'm not just going to delight myself in this study and study and study and, and love everything you have to say and, and see how it all works and all that. That's, that's part of my delight. Yeah, I love your commands, but I'm also going to do them. Because I realized if I don't do them, it didn't do me any good. We move on to verses 66 and following. I, this one, wow. Verse 66. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Don't miss that. 
sometimes we pursue a life of doing things that God doesn't approve of or, or we, don't, we, we don't pursue the things that God wants us to and, and we're afflicted. He says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. A lot of times those are teaching tools God is using to show us, hey, that's going to hurt to do that. He said, I'm going astray before I was, but man, once that affliction hit, once I, once I realized what terrible shape my life was in, now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Verse 68. Verse 69. The proud have forged a lie against me. Here we go again, David. Boy, you'd think he, he had a familiar theme here, wouldn't you? He said, there's proud people that are lying about me. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to take vengeance. No, I'm not going to take vengeance. Well, I'm going to focus in on that and be burdened. No, 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 no. Well, I'm going to get even. No, that's not what he says. The proud have forged a lie against me but I'll keep your precepts with my whole heart. Isn't that beautiful? They can say what they want. I'm just going to get into your word, God, and do it. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in your law. It is good for me. How many of us have ever said this? It's good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. You know, it's a good thing I went through that. It's a good thing when I was living for myself that it was such a crushing blow. It's a good thing that I was afflicted like that because now I've learned that I just need to do God's will in order to avoid that. I can live this delighted life. I delight in his law no matter what. We move on for the sake of time. I'd like to spend so much more on these. Psalm 119, verse 92. Look at verse 92. Unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction. I would have perished in my affliction. It would appear that he's talking about an affliction after he had learned to delight in the law of the Lord because he said, unless it had been my delight, I would have perished in it. Brethren, we got so many broken people in this world who are perishing in their affliction. We got young people committing suicide. We have got so many people whose lives have been destroyed and corrupted by sin and alcohol and drugs and all of those things. There are so many just heart-rending cases of people perishing in their affliction. And we're all afflicted with something from time to time. But he says, unless my law had been your delight, I would have joined him. Listen, if it wasn't for the word of God and the power it contains, if that wasn't my all-consuming focus, if that wasn't everything that I enjoyed and found extreme satisfaction out of, he said, I'd, I'd have perished in the midst of mine. The only thing saved him was that he had made God's word his delight. Brethren, we don't know what's coming in our future, but I'll tell you right now, we need to make God's word the delight of our life so that we don't perish in our next affliction. Psalm 119, verses 141 through 143. He says, I am small and despised. You ever been despised? Sometimes people hate you. Sometimes people persecute you. We talked about this with, with Jesus last week and, and the fact that he was hated and this one says, I'm despised. What do you do when you despise? What do you do when somebody just despises you? Try to defend yourself? 
fight? David said, no. Even though I am small and despised, people hate my guts. Yet I do not forget your precepts. I'm going to stick with studying your word and, and doing it. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. He said, I'm just going to stick with, with doing what's right in the eyes of God. Verse 40, 143, trouble and anguish have overtaken me. Trouble and anguish. Trouble and anguish have overtaken me. They have, they have overwhelmed me. What am I going to do? Well, what do a lot of people do? I don't know, but I know what he did. He said, yet your commandments are my delights. In the midst of that hot day and all that affliction and trouble and persecution and anguish, rather than let it absolutely destroy me, he says, I go out for spiritual ice cream on a hot day. I get into the Word of God, and there's still delight despite. There's a good term for you, delight despite. That, that really sums up this verse. And finally, Psalm 119, verse 174. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. As we go through this world of trouble and trials and, and, and struggle and the way sin and Satan have sought to corrupt our, our world and our lives and, and Satan seeks every day to just make our lives miserable and to tempt us to do stupid things that will hurt us. In, in all of those things, as we long for that day when we can go to heaven, as we long for that day when we're out of the reach of Satan, as we, as we long to gather around the throne of, of God, as we long to do that, that His Word, the pathway there, becomes our delight. Because it's the only path there. And if we're going to get there and we focus on that, then, then this is going to be delightful for us as we read it and we take that next step on our journey. And, and listen, David's not the only one who talked like this. And, and I want us all to have more delightful lives from this day forward. And, and that's why the emphasis and the focus this morning. David was not the only one. Look at what Jehoshaphat did in 2 Chronicles 17. 2 Chronicles chapter 17. Back up in your Bibles. 2 Chronicles chapter 17. Verse 1, then Jehoshaphat his son reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa his father had taken. Now, verse 3, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Because, why? Because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but he sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. Okay, the reason that the Lord was with Jehoshaphat is because Jehoshaphat was with God. He didn't pay attention to all the false doctrine and all the other things that people were doing. He followed God. Same thing we see with Joseph. Throughout Joseph's life in Genesis chapter 37 through 50, we see that God was with Joseph. Why was God with Joseph? Because Joseph was with God. Okay, we see the same thing here. Okay, keep reading. Verse 5, therefore, that's the reason why, because he was with God and therefore God was with him. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat. He had riches and honor and abundance and his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. His heart, Jehoshaphat's heart found great pleasure. This high extreme level of, of pleasure in the Word of God. 
And because of it, he did what God told him to do. It wasn't just in knowing it. He delighted in doing God's will, and God blessed him incredibly. That's 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. Just for a moment, just, just so that we know it's not Old Testament, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, despite all of the conflicts and despite all of the troubles and the difficulties that he had in his life, you know what, you know what Paul said? said the same thing. Paul said that God's word brought him that same thing, delight. It brought him a high degree of satisfaction, great pleasure, much enjoyment. Paul said this when he summed it all up in Romans chapter 7 and verse 22 when he wrote, For I delight in the law of God according to the inner man. You don't think, that, you don't, you don't think Paul struggled? Chapter 7 itself. Paul talks about how the very thing he wants to do, he doesn't do, and the thing he wants to, doesn't want to do, he, he does, and, and he's a wretched man, and he, and he goes on from there, and, and you read in, in Corinthians about the shipwrecks and the beatings and the stonings and everything that he went through and, and, and the jailings. He had a miserable time on the surface. He went through things you and I can't even begin to think about. And yet he said, I... Romans 7.22, delight in the law of God according to the inward man. I still have delight in my life. Why? Because I'm in the word of God. That's where my delight comes from. That's how I live a delightful life. Did you know, here, here's one for you. Did you know that this was a secret even to Jesus? being happy. We've talked about how Jesus was typically a happy man all the time. He, he was a blessed man. He, was, he, was, he, he, he didn't have these, these long expanses where he was down and beaten and defeated or anything like that. How, how he was typically happy. Do you know that was his secret too? Do you know it's because he found his delight in the law of God as well? The messianic prophecy in Isaiah 11 1 through 3 talking about the Christ to come says this Isaiah 11 1 through 3 there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. Jesus' delight is found in his fear of God. Listen. Why do you think that Satan has spent so much time trying to convince people that they don't have time to study God's Word? Why do you think he's done that? Think, really, really think about that. Why has Satan spent so much time trying to convince people they don't have time to study their Bibles? People outside the church as well as, sadly, people inside the church. I'll tell you why. Because in Bible study, he knows that if you delight yourself in it, that you are going to have a more delightful and joyful life, that he is going to have a lot harder time messing up. That's why. Because in the Bible is the source of power to give you that more delightful, joyful, peaceful, faithful life that God wants you to live, where you can find that perpetual peace and joy and happiness, which is the exact opposite of what Satan wants you to have. And the longer you stay away from the source of that power, the more miserable he has the potential to make you. Why do you think 
he's trying to stop people from being in the Bible. Why do you think in every church across this land, Sunday morning's attendance is not equaled by Sunday nights and by Wednesday nights? Why do you think Satan tries to convince people they got better things to do all the time? There's a reason, because he wants to make your life miserable and he knows the more time you spend in here, the less chance he's got of doing that. And, and here's the thing, we know that God can speak anything into existence. We know that. We know that God is all-powerful. God's not like somebody, if you ever wanted something, you wanted to, to, to buy something or have something and, and, and you had to save up for it and, and all of that or somebody give it to you, right? God doesn't have to do that. God wants it. He can speak it into existence. What do you give the guy that's got everything and can speak everything into existence? What do you give him to delight him? Here's the second part of our sermon. What do you give him to delight him? What can you possibly give a God who can speak worlds and universes into existence that causes him extreme joy, extreme satisfaction, great pleasure? What do you possibly give him? I'll tell you where, where he gets it and how you can give it to him. God finds great pleasure out of those who choose to make him and his word their priority, their centerpiece, and the delight of their life. God takes great delight in his life over those who take great delight in God in their lives. That's the answer. You can make God, you can give God that, that cold ice cream on a hot day experience, that, that great enjoyment, that great satisfaction. By doing what? By making him the delight of your life, you become the delight of his. For example, and I'll just give you references here. God's delight is in those who are obedient to him instead of choosing to follow their own desires and feelings. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 22 and 3. God's delight is in those who surround themselves with and focus upon the goodness of God's other saints. Don't miss that. <laughs> That's a big one. God's delight is in those who surround themselves with and focus upon the goodness of God's other saints upon this earth. All too many times it's easy to focus on somebody else's faults. Hey, we all got them, okay? Let's be honest. We all got faults. We all got problems. And it's all too easy for us to focus. What did Paul say in, in Philippians 4, 8? Whatever is good, pure, righteous, lovely, let your mind focus on these things. Well, I don't believe for a moment he's just talking about things, but people too. We need to focus on each other's good parts because, let's face it, we've all got, we've all got bad we could focus. I, we could all find fault with one another, but we need to let go of that and focus on the good. And as a matter of fact, when we do that, God is delighted. Look at me in Psalm 16. I won't just make a point without backing it up. Psalm 16, especially one that's this powerful, this needed. Psalm 16, look at verses 1 through 3. From David, Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, You are my Lord, my goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. This is David. David is talking and he's saying, 
that he needs to trust God. He is saying to God, you are my Lord. I have no goodness apart from you. Oh, and as for the saints that are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all might. I take delight in your saints on the earth, God. It's not the only time he said something like that. He backs it up here, if you will, in the Psalm before. Look at the Psalm before, Psalm 15, 1 through 3. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle, who may dwell in your holy hill, he who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart, who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to a neighbor, nor does he take up reproach against a friend. This backs up what he says in Psalm 16, 1 through 3. David said, who can abide with God? Those saints who are doing the right thing. Psalm 16, 1 through 3, he says, I take great joy in those. I take great joy in those people who are righteous and seeking to be righteous before God. God's delight is in those saints who deal honestly, truthfully, humbly, and blamelessly with one another as well. Look in Proverbs 11. God takes great delight in those who deal humbly, honestly, blamelessly with one another. Proverbs 11, 1 through 3, Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. God is delighted in that when we treat each other fairly. When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. God is delighted when we treat each other fairly and righteously. Look at verses 17 through 21 of the same proverb. 17 through 21. The merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. A wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. As righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. Those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. God is delighted we do what he said. What do you give to the God who has everything? You delight him by focusing in on the good and treating your brethren fairly and righteously. Psalm, uh, Proverbs 15, 8 and 9 would tell us the same thing. As David said in Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. God delights in the way of a good man. And you know, when we find our delight in God's word, that was the first part of the sermon, God is delighted in us. That's the second part of the sermon. You know what happens then? Because we delight in God, therefore God delights in us. God blesses us with even more delights. It's a beautiful circle. Look with me at uh, Psalm 18. It, it, this is, this is the, the cool part and the kicker. We delight in him and his word. He delights in us. When he delights in us, he gives us more delight. It's an awesome thing. It really, it's great to be a Christian. Psalm 18, verses 16 through 19, say this. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my enemy and those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me up into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. When God delights in us, he delivers us. And he delights in us when we delight in him. That's the beautiful circle. He said, that's the reason he rescued me. Like I said, 
If we have that kind of dependence on God where we delight in Him and He therefore delights in us and, and He delivers us because of it and He delights us even more, Satan has a real tough time getting into our lives and making a mess of things. That's why he hates Bible study so much. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 4, a, a verse that uh, Kirk featured last Monday in his Marco Polo says this, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor the rich man in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight. In these people, God says, I delight. Those who do these things. I want to close this morning. One more song. A psalm that takes this whole lesson and puts it in a neat little package. It says everything that pretty much I've said this morning. Psalm 112, beginning at verse 1. Psalm 112, beginning in verse 1. You want a happier life? You can leave here this morning and say, well, cool lesson, but, you know, I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing. You know? I got my problems, but okay. Well, that's your prerogative. God gives us all free will choice. But if you want your truth, if you want your life to be truly happy and you trust that God knew what he was talking about and put it in the book, then we need to delight ourselves in the study of his word, in 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 the goodness of other saints and all of those sorts of things. And he will be delighted in us and delight us even more. Psalm 112, verse 1. Praise the Lord, blessed, happy is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. That man is happy, who takes great delight in God's commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Under the upright there arises light in the darkness. You got, you're going through a dark place? You're going through a place where you need the light of the Lord's love to shine? Then delight yourself greatly in his commandments, because that's what this is about. Under the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. You're not going to know how wonderfully awesome and patient and compassionate God is till you get into his word. Verse 5. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. I want that in my life. Do you want that? Surely he will never be shaken. Do you want that in your life? I want it in my I don't know what's coming tomorrow, but I know I've been shaken in the past. Bible says this man who delights himself greatly in God's commandments will have all of these wonderful things. He will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. Have you ever gotten bad news and you've been scared, you've been afraid, you've been fearful? The Bible says this man right here who delights greatly in the commandments of God, he will not be afraid of evil tidings. His, head is, his heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established, he will not be afraid. Wow. And all I've got to do to make that happen is to make sure I understand the power and the blessing of God's word enough that that is my, my top priority, my consuming desire, that, that, that it is my delight to get into his word. And man, when it is, God will be so delighted with me and God will bless me even above and beyond what he already has. Isn't life great as a Christian? Where are you this morning? Struggling? Dealing maybe with some sin, some problem, 
overwhelmed, burdened, fearful for the future. God's word and making it your delight is the cure for all of that. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never been baptized into Christ. Maybe you're somebody who would say, if you were asked point blank, if you were dying tonight, would you go to heaven? You, you might even say yes. And then somebody says, prove it from the Bible. You wouldn't know where to begin. And, and you begin to question, well, I, I, I'm not sure that I am. Well, that's not a delighted life. That's not a life full of joy and peace and contentment because you're not fully trusting the Lord if you haven't done what the Lord said to do to be saved. And, and the Lord said that we, we have to hear the truth. We have to be willing to confess the truth. We have, to, we have to believe it. We must be willing to confess that he's the son of God, repent of our sins, that is, turn to God. And the Bible says we have to be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. That's the beginning of a delighted life. I'm telling you, when you come up out of that baptistry and you've read in the Bible where it says baptism now saves you, you've read where baptism is where you call on the name of the Lord to wash away your sins, Acts 22, 16. When you come up out of there, how many of you that are Christians that have done that at some point in time were delighted when you came out of that water? Raise your hand. I'm high. I want to see them. Look around. It is a delight to know your sins are covered, not because some preacher said so, but because God said so in his word. This morning, if you'd respond to the invitation by being baptized into Christ, if you would like a Bible study to talk about some of these things you've heard this morning further, or if you just need the prayers of the church, that you will be more into the word of God so that you can find that delight and that, that, that incredible beauty that you're missing in your life. Come right now and we'll do all we can to help you as we stand and sing.